what's your take on this? What do you think? How how do you think gratitude and courage connect? Oh well, I I so like I'm I as I was saying before we started recording, I'm so 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 into your perspective on on gratitude and the idea that gratitude is a way to shift out of a space of fear. And so the connection I make is that, um, and I, I, I'll just use the pandemic as an example. Um, one of the things that I have been doing on the hardest days of the pandemic, and I certainly don't want anyone to think that I haven't had days where I'm like in despair. I mean, I'm a normal, I, I talk about courage and I'm also a normal everyday human being. I fluctuate. I have all kinds of feelings throughout the day. And I've had feelings of despair before. I've had feelings of rage or anger before, particularly being an American and watching how the last presidential administration handled um, their job, which I, I felt was done poorly in terms of protecting citizens. And so I look at those things and I go, okay, what are the things that I can do to, what are the opportunities here, basically? You know, to me, the gratitude and the opportunities, because if I don't look for the gratitude and if I don't look for the opportunities in this situation, then I will be pulled into the psychological undertow of all those scary news headlines. Welcome to the Gratitude Podcast on www.georgeandbenta.com, where you'll hear a new story each week that will inspire more gratitude in your own life. Our mission is to inspire 100,000 people to discover how to feel gratitude and live a happy life through the amazing life stories of our successful guests and their actionable tips. And now, the host of our podcast, George and Benta. This episode is supported by Premium Jane. With free shipping on all products, Premium Jane is dedicated to delivering the natural benefits of CBD to those who truly need it. Go to premiumjane.com and save 20% with coupon code GRATITUDE. Hi, Gratitude Seeker. Welcome to a new episode of the Gratitude Podcast. Today with us, we have an amazing guest that I'm very excited uh, to be interviewing today. She's the author of The Courage Habit, and um, she has been inspiring many amazing people, and they say that she offers a kind of clear courage that inspires more courage in others. She has been included in diverse publications such as USA Today, Forbes, Lifetime Moms, Mind Body Green, and many others. And now, Kate Svoboda is on the Gratitude Podcast talking with us about courage and gratitude. Welcome, Kate. Mm, thank you so much for having me. It's my pleasure. And um, I'm really curious where our co- conversation will go and um, what we will get to explore together. So firstly, let us know a little bit more about you. Mm -hmm. Well, um, you know, as you mentioned, courage is a a theme in my work, but it's not about trying to eradicate fear. It's not about trying to become fearless. I don't actually think that fearless exists. I think that the work of courage is about saying, what is it that I want for my life? 
and looking at the places where fear has kept us stuck and then seeking to understand why the fear is there, what need it is actually serving, why it's coming up. And that work developed into looking at how fear-based behaviors become patterns, which then become habits that operate on autopilot. So often you think about people who say, oh, I'm such a perfectionist or, oh, I'm such a people pleaser. What I say is, well, no one was born that way. These are not habits that are ingrained in us from birth. These are habits that developed. So instead of putting that label of perfectionist or people pleaser on and then operating by default from that place, let's actually look at where it became a habit what the triggers are for that habit to continue and then start interrupting that habit and creating courageous behaviors that can replace the fear-based habits. And to that end, that has really become what I talk about. I, you know, I look at what is the psychology of the individual and what is it that they are trying to do in their lives and how does fear keep them from doing that from a habit-driven place. Because if we can understand where something's coming from, the origin of it, why it's in place, the need it's meeting, then we can begin to dismantle the power that it has. And that approach, in my mind, also takes us out of what is so often a very binary, a very, um, frankly, aggressive model of trying to uh, I mean, it's like, it's so often like kick fear's ass, you know, mm-hmm. tell fear to F off, you know, things like that. Mm-hmm. And it's like, yeah. that's a really aggressive model that actually doesn't do anything other than perpetuate the existing self wounding. Because if we beat up on ourselves, the way that fear beats up on us, you know, it becomes just this game of I hit you or you hit me. So I hit you back. You hit me. So I hit you back. And that doesn't get us anywhere. Yeah, that makes so much sense. And I think it's it's a very wise perspective on on fear and courage. Um, It's I've been thinking um, about situations in which I was um, I needed to be more courageous. Um, But I think there is a a really interesting. detail um, that differentiates different kinds of courage uh, in the sense that there is this courage that, uh, like you said, it's aggressive, it's forced. And there is this other kind of courage that is more silent um, and it's still as powerful and it can be even more powerful than, than the other one. Uh, even though it's not as seen as the, the kind of courage. Usually, when I when I think of courage in general, I think of people that, uh, I don't know, that do extreme sports, for instance, or uh, do all kinds of crazy things. Um, but I think this is another kind of courage that is admirable in, in many situations, but with which, for instance, I have never... Um, uh, been able to to resonate, and in, in the beginning, when when I was a child uh, with my friends, with my guy friends, especially, um, 
the fact that I was not as courageous from that point of view, um, it made me feel weaker compared to them. Um, but in time, I, I understood that there there are these two types of courage, and um, that the the other one, in my opinion, is is more important in the in the long run, at least. Let me know a little bit. Uh, what's your take on this? If you have been if you have seen this in, in your research. Yes, yes. I, I think you explain it very well. Um, there, I think of what you describe as the courage that's about your way of being. So the courage that is about external accomplishment, which is often particularly male conditioning, which is you got to be tough. You got to never show yeah. fear. You got to come on to the sports field and dominate, conquer. That is often what men in particular are so socialized and conditioned into. Although women receive a certain level of that too. There's a certain way you're supposed to show up as a woman. Um, women are often conditioned in terms of heterosexual sexuality to appear always cool, confident, sexy, you know, this, this kind of like, I don't really care. I'm, I'm invulnerable. And what you and I are talking about today is this externally driven appearance of courage. That's very performative and moving into a way of being. And people do that in so many areas of their lives. Particularly, I find that people do it with work. They like the outward accomplishments, but um, as I talk about in the courage habit, uh, I actually opened it with what was my own um, wake up moment around this, which was that I had been a classic overachiever. And I still would say I am an overachiever. I've just sussed out some of the differences. You know, it's, there's, there's overachieving because you like um, big audacious goals and it enlivens you and you're curious about how far you can push a limit. And then there's overachieving just because it's another notch. It's another to-do list thing you ticked off that looks impressive. And that was where I was orienting from at the time. And I had this real awakening that, yeah, I could knock out a project and do it well or win some kind of an award or in school get great grades, but I wasn't particularly happy. My life was screaming at me with how unhappy I was through the form of headaches, through the form of being irritated, through the form of being tired all the time, um, through the form of just feeling a low-grade loneliness and not particularly happy. But I didn't pay attention to any of that at the time until I had to because, you know, I had to show up for work. I had to do the things that I was supposed to do and, and all of that. And it was a profound grappling with my identity because this external identity that I had constructed was at odds with the most courageous self within me that was trying to come forward. So we're really talking about courage as a way of being. And that involves vulnerability and connection and um, all kinds of things that, you know, you don't get paid for, <laughs> you don't get awards for, um, but they are essential to what it means to be human. Yeah. And I was actually thinking that they actually, they, they help us live more, um, like 
experience more when we're able to be more vulnerable we can get to feel um, things on a deeper level because we let ourselves do that otherwise um, we we limit ourselves with uh, with the walls that we we tend to build and like like you said there there are walls that we've built out of fear to protect us from certain situations and this kind of courage is actually helping us um, overcome them and um, I, I remember that I chose uh, a courage habit to, to, to choose some of the things that uh, I feel I'm afraid to do and to do them and um, it was very freeing that that sensation to to look for for those things that i i wasn't so i was feeling the fear i was aware of the fear but i wanted to do them to to know how how it feels if i'm bigger than the fear somehow and it was so interesting of course not in the sense that uh, the peer pressure that that i had to do things that in my opinion what were kind of stupid but to do uh, to overcome my fears in the direction that I wanted and I think that's that's an important part as well isn't it well I I put it more in the language of um, less about overcoming fear and more about how do I see sort of make fear my partner mm, okay. and um and it's a very slight difference. So for sure, I want to overcome fear in the sense that I don't want my fear to hold me back. And I think that's what you're speaking to. Yeah. But I always make the distinction between what it looks like to overcome fear and to work with fear because, to, at least to me, the language shift puts me in more of a mindset of, okay, I'm not trying to tell fear to F off. I'm not trying to tell fear to go away. I'm understanding that fear is just part of a process. So I'm going to work with it. So, you know, if I was, you know, planning to have a difficult conversation with a family member and I felt fear, I don't want to overcome the fear in terms of trying to shove it to the side where it doesn't exist so much as I want to understand why I'm afraid and, and work with the fear. Okay, I'm afraid mm -hmm. because they might criticize me. I'm afraid because if we have conflict, myself and this one family member, maybe other family members would take sides and have conflict with me as well. I'm afraid because, and so as I start to understand these different threads of why I felt afraid, then it also shows me how the fear is a need. When the fear clamps that's trying to get met, the fear is actually trying to protect me. When the fear comes in and goes, no, 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 you can't have that conversation or makes it a little harder for me to, to breathe and feel calm, it's trying to go, hey, 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 pay attention to me. You don't feel safe here trying to have this conversation. You don't know what's going to happen. It's scary. Maybe we shouldn't have it. Maybe life would just be easier if we didn't have this conversation right now. Mm -hmm. Let's just not have. So it's like it's, it's, it's misguided in the sense that as we all know, when we need to have a difficult conversation, not having it when it needs to happen, that just 
kicks it out to a later date, right? Like it's going to get worse with that person. There's going to be more resentment. We're going to be more stressed. But in that tiny little moment, when I don't want to have that conversation, when fear's like, we don't need to have that conversation, there's like a protection that the fear is attempting. And I often equate fear as being like a small, underdeveloped child. Small, not as in you know, bad, but small as in young, underdeveloped. Fear does, fear does not have a skill set. That's what it's really lacking. And so this is, the, to me, the most fascinating thing to come out of how I've studied fear and courage, which is that if someone is willing to look at the places in their life where they are afraid, and instead of pushing the fear away, if they are willing to say, what's really going on here? What story am I telling myself? Like, like I could use this example of the conversation with the difficult family member. Like, oh, I have a story that if they're mad at me, other family members will get mad at me. And then what's my story about that? Let's follow that thread. Well, my story that if, if other family members get mad at me, that everyone's going to be mad at me. Okay. And, and so what's my story about everybody being mad at me that I won't be loved okay, now we've got something to work with here. What I'm afraid of is that I am not only not being loved by this one person, not only not being potentially loved by many other people, but that I will not be loved by like a lot of people, that I will not be loved. Okay, now how can I attend to my fear? Hey, fear. (laughs) First of all, I don't think it's that they don't love me. It's that we just have a conflict right now. Hey, fear, Uh, even if they didn't love me, I love us. Hey, fear, even if somebody else doesn't love or approve of my choices, that person has a right to what they want to think or believe. And then I've got other people who do love and approve of my choices. Hey, fear, I get it. It's tough when people don't love or approve of our choices. This is an opportunity to really learn how to be with the discomfort of that. So, you know, you could compare it to a child who is afraid to get into the pool for the first time and try to swim. Um, My own daughter experienced this when she was first getting into a pool when she was younger. She was afraid. And when you look at it from the perspective of the adult, it's like, well, what is there to be afraid of? I'm your mother. I've got you. You're not going to drown. I would never let you. But of course, we have to look at it from the perspective of the child, understand the child's fear. It's this large body of water and it's so much bigger than what the child is in every single day, right? And it's scary. And there's probably a lot of other, at the average pool, there's probably a lot of other kids splashing around and making noise. And it's, you know, it's a different environment. It's a different sensation. Um, So you go one piece at a time. You say, okay, why don't you sit on the edge of the pool, put your feet in, Why don't you get in the pool, but I'm not going to let go of you. I'm going to hold on to you the whole time. Why don't we sit on the the ladder of the pool or the steps of the pool? But certainly we don't want to turn to that child and say, what's wrong with you? You're so stupid. God, can't you get it together? Don't you see that there's nothing to be afraid of here? You know, so it's, it's very much how do we understand in this with ourselves in the same way we understand with the child that they just lack a skill set, how do we understand that with ourselves? 
that's so deep and so beautiful and i love how uh, how kind uh, this perspective is and um yeah it, it makes a lot of sense and um i think it's it's a very important topic because many of um the things that we can be grateful for are at the other side of fear um and in in this sense i think it's um it connects very well with gratitude the fact that once we are able to work with fear and um go through those things that make us feel afraid we can experience even more gratitude but what's your take on this what do you think how how do you think gratitude and courage connect oh well i i so like i'm i as i was saying before we started recording i'm so 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 into your perspective on on gratitude and the idea that gratitude is a way to um shift out of a space of fear and so the connection i make is that um and i, I I'll just use the pandemic as an example. Um, one of the things that I have been doing on the hardest days of the pandemic, and I certainly don't want anyone to think that I haven't had days where I'm like in despair. I mean, I'm a normal, I, I talk about courage and I'm also a normal everyday human being. I fluctuate. I have all kinds of feelings throughout the day. And I've had feelings of despair before. I've had feelings of rage or anger before, particularly being an American and watching how the last presidential administration handled um, their job, which I I felt was done poorly in terms of protecting citizens. And so I look at those things and I go, okay, what are the things that I can do to, what are the opportunities here, basically? You know, to me, the gratitude and the opportunities, because if I don't look for the gratitude And if I don't look for the opportunities in this situation, then I will be pulled into the psychological undertow of all those scary news headlines. So the place I've been going to when I felt afraid about the pandemic and that I invite other people to go into is there's an opportunity here and I'm grateful for the awareness of that opportunity to remember how much of people. I mean, that might sound like an odd thing, but how many times before the pandemic did I get invited to something, a dinner, a party? Hey, let's meet up. And I, oh, I'm too tired. Eh, it's been a busy week. It's like, oh, wait, hold on. Opportunity. <laughs> How can I get more into the fact that like, I, I want to be really grateful for the connections in my life because even though they're all on Zoom right now, they're a lifeline. And I never want to take them for granted again. I want to really put them at the forefront of my gratitude. And when I think about the gratitude that I have for the opportunities, other things, this is an opportunity um, when time became very crunched for me because I have a six-year-old and um, you know I'm the CEO of a company. I run an accredited life coach training program. I I come to podcasts, I have appointments, right? Like there are things I need to do, but then she had no school. What are the opportunities in that? It's like, okay, um, I'm grateful for the opportunity to look at my time and anything that was not lighting me up has been taken off the schedule. 
it forced my hand, so to speak. You know, I, I couldn't just kind of, oh, well, you know, it's okay. No, actually time is of the essence. I, I cannot commit. I'm not willing to commit any longer to the things that don't light me up. Mm-hmm. So in essence, how do I use this time? And then the other thing that I keep thinking about is that, and I felt this from the earliest days of the pandemic, I, I have a podcast myself and I actually did an episode on this um, called This Is What We Train For, because isn't this what we train for, right? Like the <laughs> gratitude practices that you have been talking about for so long, you weren't talking about those gratitude practices for when life is easy and when it's yeah. just peachy and nice. You're talking about using gratitude to help with people's emotional resilience during times like a pandemic. And of course, nobody ever (laughs) predicted a pandemic, but this is what we train for. So whatever people's spiritual practices are, personal growth and wellness practices, I think rather than going to a space of, oh my God, it's all awful and what are we going to do? And and just staying there, sure, we're going to go to that space a little bit, but just staying there, we have an opportunity to remember that this is why we cultivate these tools. That makes so much sense. It's such a wonderful perspective. And I actually got some emails uh, from people that uh, that realized this as well. The fact that uh, it's it's much easier once they have this, uh, this habit in place. And even though um, the challenges sometimes grow bigger by the day, they are still able to, to find gratitude and to uh to be happy in spite of them and yeah I, it's, it's one of the reasons why i think gratitude is an important habit as is courage of course and um the it's one of the the things that uh, i don't know how to put it but it's it's one of life's riches i think uh having such a such a habit like gratitude like courage because you have that with you no matter what like even if you have everything or if you have nothing you still have that and you can rebuild anytime if you have them that's my that's my that's the way i see things yeah i i completely agree i mean it's like, oh, can we just take a, a moment right now and be grateful for the fact that we have air moving through our lungs and that we're healthy? We're like, oh, you know, another thing that just like personal connection or the ability to go in and out of stores with ease. These are all things that I think many of us took for granted and our health is, is on the list too. How many days do we notice when our pinky toe hurts, but we don't stop to go, oh, this, this breath I can take. I'm so grateful. Yeah. Yeah. This is, this is amazing. And one of the things that I, I love to do when, uh, when something isn't working, whether that's, um, that relates to my body or with things in the house, for instance, is to realize that, okay, uh, something might not be working right now. Like, like you said, I might be, uh, there might be a toe hurting or something like this. 
but the rest of the i don't know 300 plus days it's not hurting and it's totally okay or if um i don't know i have a headache or something it's very interesting to see maybe not in the moment uh because it's not always easy to to have this perspective but seeing the fact that most of the t- of the time it's good you even if uh if i i'm in a fight uh with my my girlfriend or something when afterwards like a few minutes afterwards i realize oh my god we haven't fought for so long <laughs> it's it's amazing that we actually it's a, it's a time it's a contrast that that helps me see that oh my god things are so well actually in general it's wonderful you know it's it's very interesting yes i agree i completely agree so um i also wanted to to ask you a little bit about um the power of habit in general i know that it's not uh, by accident that you chose the name the courage habit why do you think that's important courage in general like you explained it beautifully is is something amazing to have but um how can we turn it into a habit well i mentioned earlier how the fear based habits like perfectionism or people pleasing they tend to run on autopilot and people start identifying as if they are their habits they say i am a perfectionist forgetting that <clears throat> perfectionist behaviors are made up of a series of different or or the perf- the habit of perfect perfectionist behaviors excuse me are what make up the the habit it's when you are doing saying believing things that feed perfectionism that they become habitual and we often do that on autopilot somebody who approaches a new project from the lens of perfectionism when it has become a habit they are not thinking to themselves i know i'm going to work really really hard at this to the point where i burn myself out and no matter how good i do at this i'm going to tell myself that it's not good enough mm. that's not a conscious thought it's just something that people go into without thinking So when we look at habits and how they're formed in the brain my proposition is what if we were to interrupt those fear-based habits so that we can in essence disentangle them so that they are not going on autopilot and then when we interrupt those habits what if we could replace them with new habits courage-based habits that actually get us to where we want And so using the example of perfectionism what that looks like in the courage habit model is first of all nobody's going to flip a switch and just not be a perfectionist anymore because it's a habit that you've been doing for a long time and i identify perfectionism people pleasing pessimism and self sabotage as the most common fear based habits people go into we're not going to flip a switch and just not do them anymore more than likely what'll happen is somebody will be going into that perfectionistic behavior or that, that people pleasing behavior and then suddenly they're going to because they've decided to be aware and that they know they want to interrupt the habit they're going to go oh hold on a second i'm doing that thing i just i uh, just heard my critic inside saying you're not enough 
okay, hold on, hold on. I need an intervention here. I need to interrupt this habit. And then what I propose is that you move into habits that actually build your courage and your emotional resilience in that moment. And the four habits that I identified through the research as most contributing to nurturing that emotional resilience were accessing the body, listening to your fear, but without attaching to it, reframing the negative stories fear is feeding you, and reaching out and creating community. And you can do all of those, or you could do even just one. So to continue the example, let's say that I'm getting really caught up in perfectionism and, oh, I'm doing it again. I'm doing this perfectionist thing again. Hold on. Let me interrupt this habit. I could slow down, access my body, breathe, listen to the fear-based thought. You're not doing this well enough, but not attached to it as truth. Okay. I hear you fear. You're saying I'm not doing it well enough. Reframe that limiting story. You know what? Fear, I'm reframing. I'm doing this as best as I can. That's all anybody can do. Reach out and create community. Listen to the gratitude podcast. (laughs) Go find that friend. You know, so often we think that to reach out and create community, it has to be like real-time connection. But I would say listening to your podcast is you are part of people's communities now, (laughs) which is so great. So somebody could interrupt the habit and do all four of those things, or someone could just do one. Someone could notice, hey, oh gosh, I'm, ooh, as the, the further I get into this project, the more my perfectionist pattern is showing up. I'm going to pause work on this project so that I can interrupt where my mind is going. And I'm going to turn on the gratitude podcast because that is a way to reach out and create community. So in that example, I've, I've talked about you can do all four or you could do just one. The important thing is that you interrupt the habit so that it doesn't continue to run on autopilot and you replace it with some kind of courage-driven habit or behavior that you're trying to cultivate. Beautiful. I love it. And I love the, um, the topic that you chose. I'm, I'm really... Happy that you you chose perfectionism because I think so many people that are doing great work or that have great ideas just don't do anything because it's not perfect yet or all kinds of things uh, that have to do with perfectionism and and it's sad and I I feel for them because I've been there myself at, at one point but also. Um, we have a lot to to offer the world, and it's a pity that that they don't do that. So yeah, I think it's a wonderful example, and I'm really happy that you chose it. Yeah, yeah, it's a really common example. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so um, we're nearing the end of our time together, and I wanted to ask you where can our audience get in touch with you. Um, get in touch with your work, find your book, listen to your podcast. Yeah. So The Courage Habit is my book and it can be found on Amazon um, or local booksellers. And it's in a few different languages, which is really exciting to me. Um, 
You can also learn more about me at either yourcourageouslife.com or teamclcc.com. I'm Kate Courageous on Instagram, and my podcasts, I have two, are the Your Courageous Life podcast and the Craft of Coaching podcast. Beautiful. Thank you very much for, for being here with us and for sharing this amazing perspective on, on courage and um, just for being so kind and um, sharing this kind perspective with us. I think it's, um, it's something that we all need sometimes to just have someone remind us that we can be kinder with ourselves and that we can... Um, experience more by being kind and of course being courageous yeah yeah thank you so much for having me my pleasure